Good morning. Merry Christmas. Sometimes you just want these moments to go on for ever and ever and ever. And I think that's certainly what the Lord has placed in our hearts. And I think someday we'll be in that place. And uh, uh, this morning, just, just very special. Uh, how, how many folks were, were here last night? Oh, wow. That's great. So the other two-thirds of you guys were not. <laughs> so, so. Uh, this, this is like the no judgment zone. So y- y- I'm just, I have, I have two teachings in front of me. And uh, I have to choose which one uh, to teach on. And um, I'm going to go with the one that um, I think has been very meaningful uh, to me uh, during this holiday season, this Christmas season. We briefly did a devotional on it last night. And so if you have your Bibles, come with me to Isaiah uh, chapter 9 and let us dig, um, dig into it, uh, say, a little bit deeper. Uh, before we pray, let, let me just read a scripture out of uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, and then we'll find our way to uh, Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. But in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, the Apostle Paul writes this, For whatever was written in former times, and what Paul is pointing to is the Old Testament uh, in its entirety, but looking towards all those promises that find their fulfillment in the New Testament. And, And so Paul goes through, you know, basically creating a record of how uh, from, from Abraham to the early church, how Jesus Christ fulfilled all those promises. And he ends up in the end of, I think it's uh, Romans 16, to the only wise God, right? Be glory in Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. So uh, Romans 15, 4, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance... And through the encouragement of Scripture, we might have what? We might have hope. And so, as we look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament is God's word to us today just as much as the New Testament is. And it's designed by God's grace to show us how he works in the hearts of his people, Israel, and how God is completely faithful even when a people called by his name are not faithful. And he writes that to us so that no matter where we are in life, we might have encouragement through the scriptures and so that we might have hope that God will never abandon his people and he's always working in our hearts. And I, to be transparent, I mean, that's, that's my struggle point at times. Oh, Lord, 
you know, uh, you know, when life falls apart, or, or you know, COVID cancels churches services for a couple of years, and and you wonder, will all will all fail? God says, no, it won't, because it's my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. When my heart goes, Lord, are you going to show up today? He says, of course I'm going to show up, Eddie. I'm, I'm sent my spirit to indwell you, so have courage and, and have hope, you know. And when we come to Isaiah chapter 9, it's really about that. God's people are struggling, and the Lord comes and speaks to them through the prophet so that they would be encouraged in the midst of their situation. God doesn't remove them from their situation. And I think, you know, if we're honest with each other, that really is our prayer. It's like, it's not the prayer of so much help in, my, in the midst of this. It's like, help and get me out of this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, for those worshiped here, for those that are worshiping with us online. Uh, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you'd, encourage our hearts this morning and that you would give us hope, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So come with me to Isaiah chapter 9. It begins in, say, we could look in uh, verse 1 here. It says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. There will be no gloom and there will and there will not be anguish, because that's where God's people were living at that time. They were gloomy, they were in anguish, and they were in gloomy and anguish because their, their, their political king, King Ahaz, had sold out the Lord. It sold out the Lord. And the northern tribe of Israel aligned themselves with Syria and they were trying to crush the southern kingdom, Judah. And so Ahaz is, is, is looking for an answer, but he, but he doesn't look to the Lord. And it grieved the people. And the Lord intervenes in their grief and in their anguish. Come back to the text with me. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time. And so they give you the geographical setting to drill down in this a little bit. They give us the hearts of the people. They give us the geographical setting because it helps us to understand the dilemma they were in. And so they're on this coastal plain between Syria and Egypt, in the coastal plain in those days, the armies came down from the north, the armies came up from the south, and the people in the middle suffered greatly for it, and that's where Zebulun and Naphtali are. And so their hearts are sad, and their disposition is seeing great risk. Back to the text. But there was, will be no gloom, no anguish, Zebulun and Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. You might remember in Matthew chapter 4, I think it's 15, 16, 17, 
when Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is beginning his ministry, he grabs a hold of this text and he says, the light has come and there will be no more darkness. There will be no gloom for the light of Christ has come to deliver his people from oppression. Back to the text. But there will be no gloom, no anguish, no contempt for the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the land beyond the Jordan. In verse 25, the people who walked in darkness have seen what? Seen a great light. And that points the prophet looks beyond the immediacy of his needs, looks beyond that to the fulfillment of the prophetic word as he sees the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, and Christ, the light of the world, comes and dispels the darkness that has gripped the people's hearts and does two things for them, we can see in the text. And that is what the Lord wants to do in our hearts today. Come back to the text with me. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Verse 3. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its what? Its joy. And so when we invite Christ to come into our life, when we ask him to take up a boat in our life, he brings us this joy and then he relates it. He relates this joy to what the people can understand, which is, which is the harvest that comes and the joy that comes from the harvest. Now in New England, we're not a big farming community, right? But we do have joy in some harvest times. And that would be, well, in my world, it would be just plain apple picking. That's the biggest <laughs> harvest I've ever experienced in my life. But the harvest coming in brought what to the people? Brought security, brought satisfaction food-wise, it brought them a sense of peace. And if you look at the Old Testament festivals, they celebrated the incoming of the harvest by waving the first sheaves, the waving the grain offering before the Lord. Now, some of our Pentecostal brothers, they take that literally and say, let's give a wave offering to the Lord. And I'm always expecting, well, where's the wheat? The people's hearts were filled with joy and the people's hearts were filled with gladness. The second thing that the Lord does when he brings this light into this oppressed people group, we see in verse 4, for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppression, you have broken as on the day of Midian for every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Last night, uh, you know, I was kind of watching the people, and when they got to the garments rolled in blood, you should have seen some of the expressions. It was like, what? What is this? 
But what was, it was pointing to was a battle with the Midianites that's recorded in Judges 6 and 7, where Gideon comes with 20,000 soldiers. God says it's too much. Breaks it down to 10,000. God says it's way too much still because the people, if they think they've won the battle with their own strength of their own troops, they won't give glory to God. So the Lord says to Gideon, let's cut it down to 300. And you're going to win the battle with torches and clay pots and trumpets. So why? So that we will not trust in the flesh, but we will trust in the goodness of God in the most difficult and darkest situations of our life and so that we would give glory to God in the midst of all of life, the good, the bad, the ugly. We would give glory to God our Savior, Jesus Christ. The rest of the text you know really well. It describes what Jesus pronounced at the beginning of his ministry, that the light had come to bring joy, to bring deliverance and forgiveness of sin, to break the chains that are holding God's people back. If you know it, could you say it with me? For unto us a child is born, and the government... Stop there. Why the governments? Because the promise to God's people is that all their worries about politics, all their worries about the safety of the nation, all their worries about does, does God hear our prayer? Has God abandoned us in the midst of the darkest times of our life? The Lord says, I will bear all those things and I promise to never leave you and never forsake you, for I am your wonderful. I am your wonder. And the wonder that Christ brings is the amazing work of salvation that he brings through his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. He is amazing, a wonder to us. Unto us a child is born, the government will be on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. The wisdom of God applied in such a way that it changes and transforms our hearts so that we can give glory to God. He is our Wonderful Counselor. The, the call is to Say, Lord, give me your wisdom. He is our wonderful counselor. What's the next one? Mighty God. In other words, he's able to take that wisdom and he's able to execute his wisdom and his plan for our life because he's the mighty God and nothing can prevail against him. That's why the key to understanding that is to understand what happened to the Midianites is that 300 second-rate troops with torches, lanterns, and, and horns routed 137,000 troops. 
there's power in a horn, isn't there? Many years ago, this is a sidebar thing. Many years ago, I had this great Christmas Eve experience. I sent our children home with chocolate candy, lights that blinked, and a horn. (laughs) They haven't let me anywhere near those bags. See, God can use those small things. Why? Why does God use small things? So that he'll get the glory. He's a mighty God. He has the best plans for us in his wisdom, in his counsel. And he's a mighty God and he's able to execute those plans. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Government's going to be on his shoulder. His name's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. It's a Hebraism. It means um, not that Jesus is Father, but it means he holds eternity and creation in his hand. That was supposed to be our text today, by the way. That's Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, and we'll get there next week. He holds everything together. He's our, oh, what's the last one? He's our Prince of Peace. Our Prince of Peace. A gift that he gives to those that call in his name. I think there's only one way to close up this little teaching, and it's to turn to the end of Romans. Oh. It's in this week's teaching. So I'm stealing from both. It's in Romans chapter 16, 25 through 27. It's, it's after, after Paul expresses all of Isaiah, chapter 9, expresses Christ's coming and his propitiation and the, the work of the Spirit and that we can trust in him and that he's still working in, in Israel, after the great plan of God, Paul expresses in Romans, here's how he ends it. Romans 16, 25 through 27. Now to him, so beautiful, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. And here he sums up the whole thing. To the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ, amen. We celebrate this person today to the only wise God, glory. To the only wise God, glory in Jesus Christ forever and ever, amen. To our wonderful counselor, Our mighty God, 
our everlasting Father, to our Prince of Peace, be glory forever. Amen? We're going to invite our worship team to come, and they're going to take a minute to come and prepare us to celebrate uh, the Lord's table uh, this Christmas day. Amen.